0: Do you have an inquisitive mind? Where do you go for answers? Imagine if the natural world held an answer to every question. Welcome to the Flowerhood Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Frankpit. I'm on an orchard growing avocados and there's something going on. The more time I spend in nature, the more I learn about myself. Is it possible that until we connect with nature... We never truly flourish in our relationships, community, businesses, or health. Oh boy, this is no ordinary gardening podcast. Join me at my kitchen table for wide and varied conversations with old and new friends from around the world. I'll be asking questions on how they connect with nature, what the research shows us, and look for ways we can incorporate these learnings into our lives. Let's get started. Tenako tenakoto tenatato welcome, welcome, welcome to all to the first episode of the Flowerhood Podcast. I'm so excited. I was chatting with friends last week and talking about this podcast being the start of a new adventure for me. Taking on the unknown, you know, when you've got new equipment, new skills, new software to learn. And you know, with new adventures and new business endeavors major life changes. The ball is in motion a lot earlier than what we call the launch day. So to come to the start of any point, we usually have these kind of stacked experiences, good or bad, that bring us to that day, that day one, that launch day. And I like to kind of think it's It's like we're an acorn or an apple seed, and we hold all this knowledge of everything that came before, and it presents itself with all this potential, like the potential of the tree that it came from. And it leads to that public declaration, well, here I am, I'm starting something new, a new life, a new love, perhaps a new job, a new relationship. And the genesis of this podcast is no different. It's probably been lying dormant inside me for a long time, and along with those feelings of excitement and growth and expansion into new territory, there came some pretty excruciating moments of self-doubt and uncertainty, so I did have to share that with you. There's nothing new about those emotions though, and I kind of come to really understand that Those emotions don't belong to me. Those are actually universal and shared by all of us. So these moments of self-doubt and anxiety, they tend to surface on every new venture, every perceived risk, every growth opportunity I've ever done. And I guess the joy about getting older is recognizing the same old pattern So acknowledging those emotions when they come up and just sort of like, oh, look, who's turned up uninvited? And then taking on the challenge despite whatever you feel. So here I am. I'm Alex Frankpitt, a New Zealander, living in Aotearoa, New Zealand, in the Bay of Plenty region. And right at this moment, I'm sitting here in my office, looking out at avocado trees, I bought this orchard in 2013, and it was a bit like starting a podcast. I had moments of self-doubt. What was I doing? I'd never grown anything commercially in my life. I had no background in horticulture, and I certainly don't know how to use the equipment that came with the orchard, including the tractor. So I had to learn to drive that, and that is a whole other story, which I'll probably tell at some other time. I had to take on this new venture. And with the new adventure really came a new identity. So I am an orchardist. And it's kind of known in the horticultural industry as a grower. A grower. It's an interesting term. And the irony is not lost on me because I am a grower. And I think I've always been a grower. And I'm sitting here right now basically taking full responsibility for growing myself. So there's been definitely times in the past where I haven't felt like a grower. I have felt more like a shrinker, stuck in the dark. Prior to buying the orchard, there were years of feeling lost, visionless, and basically not knowing what direction to take. I'd had a 10-year marriage and it had combusted. And at the same time, I'd said goodbye to a thriving online business that I'd started up alongside my ex-husband back in 2007. So with the marriage gone and the business gone, I felt really miserable. I was exhausted and I was emotionally beaten up. Now, at this point, I should probably stress that what you're hearing is a little bit of a woe by me story, but I won't be putting this in every podcast. So just hang in there with me. There is a point to this. When I think about the American social psychologist, Eric Fromm, he talked about to have or to be. So I left New Zealand in my 20s, wide-eyed and innocent, to be, to experience, to learn and to grow. And somewhere along the road, living in the UK in the late 90s and into the 2000s, I started down that road of to have. And to have, For me, my interpretation is that place where you judge yourself against others. You think that your happiness will happen when you have fill-in-the-blanks, the Range Rover, the Porsche, the designer handbag, the right job, a better job, certain friends, certain places to go and eat at. And if your wage increases, so does your desire to have more stuff. And you can be a really incredibly busy, productive person. You're building businesses. You've got your family going. You're on the go. You have your finger on the pulse. You know what school to send the kids to, where to buy the best quality fish or organic vegetables. And you're being taken everywhere you go by the to have car. You've hopped on board and it's sort of switched onto autopilot. The problem with the to have state is that you become a walking zombie in it and you start to disregard the effect it has on others, family, friends, the environment. You dismiss those who are not on the same pursuit as you. For me, the to have can be just as much about the facade of a healthy lifestyle with an underlying neurosis to Compete in your yoga class, always wanting the pair of leggings that the other person's wearing or having the best eco organically produced mat possible. And it can be this sort of pursuit, or it could be a pursuit on the other hand, one of sort of opulence of attaining more and more possessions in life. So at the worst extremes, you start to view all your relationships as transactions. It becomes about what can they give me? How do they further my wants and desires? and it 's a really empty place to live, especially at those extremes. So what starts off innocently as a wish to succeed can suck you down into the spiral of always chasing an elusive need to be seen as better. so I don't think that you know I had full-blown to have syndrome. <laughs> But it was there. And even on things like downtime, rather than being peaceful, it would become something like a Netflix series binge session. Or for me back in the 2000s, it was the mammoth all-nighters watching The Sopranos or The Wire. And the thing is, is that you are kind of wired. There's this constant stimulus going on. You're on edge. You're living on edge. And what I found... I found it incredibly hard to just be. I can remember, well, in fact, I can't even remember lying on the couch and just letting my mind drift. So my life has not always been that way. When I think back, some of my favourite childhood memories are of lying on the back lawn in the summer doing nothing, just being, watching clouds with the smell of the warm grass and daisies or lying on my stomach and studying ants for hours, carrying out their busy little lives. And I would bend leaves, kind of creating almost like obstacle courses, and be fascinated by the ability to adapt or amend their path and carry on. I was really engaged with my environment. I had no need to control it. Well, besides probably the ant obstacles that I was creating. But that wasn't with any menace to them. I didn't want to change nature. (laughs) Nature provided enough. I was complete and I could just be. So as a kid, I really loved nature and gardens. Growing up in the 70s, we always had this really big vegetable garden and my mum was a really keen gardener. And that exposure that my mum gave us growing vegetables from seed, eating seasonally, finding the joy and beauty in flowers, being part of the different seasons even giving us all the Latin names of the plants, along with the native names and the common names, was actually an enormous gift. We ran around barefoot, connected to the earth. And at that time, we lived in the largest city in New Zealand, Auckland. But our daily connection with nature was always there. And it fed our soul and imagination. So to be or to have. My life in a London was about working 18 hours a day. And my connection with nature was severely neglected. I really put it on that back burner. The only connection I would have during the day was the walk through the local park to the coffee shop. And when I look back at that, I just see in hindsight how unhealthy that was, how unbalanced I was. So I have no one to blame but myself because in actual fact, there's no excuse not to seek out nature, even in a city. I mean, London especially, as it's absolutely full of beautiful parks. And I know even if you don't have access to a garden, there is always opportunities to grow plants. You can grow your herbs on the windowsill inside. You can have a terrarium of succulents, or you can grow indoor orchids. It's not the size of the plot that counts. What is really important is that connection and that awareness that you have to something alive something growing. So outside of the sprawling metropolis, there are parts of England that are just so beautiful and they take your breath away. And there were times when I could just be. My happiest place in the UK were weekends away staying in the Worcestershire countryside at friends Peter and Jude's. Spring walks through the woods with bluebells, country lanes with those hedgerows and brambles, robin redbreast, or a summer day lying at the top of their hayfield in the sunshine, watching the swallows swoop and smelling the warm grass. It was beautiful, whatever season it was. Autumn, cold, crisp, chestnuts, acorns, fascinating fungi growing around the base of the old oaks that scattered throughout the countryside. And every season distinctive, holding its own beauty, So this is where I did fill up my soul and connect with nature. They lived very close to Bag End Farm, where J.R. Tolkien's maternal aunt lived. And Tolkien visited as a boy prior to writing The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I mean, this is rural England made up of downlands and woods. And there was this real feeling of the Shire. And Tolkien writes about this in The Hobbit, and I think he describes it as a small but idyllic and fruitful land, beloved by its hobbit inhabitants. So what that kind of means to me is he's talking about nature, nature being a form of innocence. So it's kind of an agriculture, but not industrialised society. So 12,000 miles from rural England, I'm sitting here right now on the orchard, And I'm actually only 40 minutes' drive away from Hobbiton, the movie set where Peter Jackson filmed The Hobbit. And there's even a bag end sitting atop that hill, surrounded by more lush green hills and rolling pastures, supposedly of Middle Earth. The idea of this idyllic, fruitful land and innocence, the Shire. And it's actually universal, we have it here too in New Zealand. It's something to preserve, honour and care for wherever you are in the world and whatever that natural landscape is to you. And I kind of think like, it doesn't even matter if it's the beauty of the desert or mountain glades. It's that place that doesn't require large systems, no industrialization. It's the simple life, being with the land in harmony, balance, peace. So I mentioned earlier that I'm a grower, and really that's pretty much key to what the podcast is all about. So the last seven years of working in this orchard has put a mirror up to my face. As I slowed down and gave myself that gift to just be, I started asking myself questions. What do I learn from trees and plants? And how can I apply these lessons to all areas of my life? Is it possible to have profitable, thriving businesses that are conscious? Can we build world-class businesses without losing our connection to nature? And what are the lessons that plants and nature teach me that I can apply to leading a healthy lifestyle full of vitality? What plants should I consume? What plants should I not consume? How can... We bring a natural environment into the neighbourhood. What are the messages from nature I'm not listening to that I should be? So I'm going to be exploring over the next podcast these topics and many, many more with a real range of people from all over the world. I'm really excited and I'm delighted to bring you the Flowerhood Conversations. So until next week, let's get growing. My heartfelt thanks for listening all the way to the end of this Flowerhood podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to the show, like and review it on your favourite player. Be part of the Greater Flowerhood community. Join the Flowerhood Facebook group and find show notes and information at flowerhood.com. I can't wait to share the next episode. Until then, hey, why not stop and smell the roses?